So um, this morning we are on week four of our 10 series. We started this journey 22 days ago. Um, how many are still on the reading plan? Let me see. You're, you're not behind. <laughs> how many of you are a little bit behind? Just curious. How many of you have no idea what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. Um, we started 22 days ago. We started a 10 series. We're taking 10 weeks, and we're looking at some, um, some principles in the Word of God. And amazingly, they all have the word 10 in them, almost like we thought about this and prayed about it. And we also have decided the very first thing we want you to do this year is give God the first 10 minutes of your day in the Bible. Now, if you've read the Bible, then some of you are thinking, 10 minutes, that's a piece of cake. Of course, others of you, you have read the Bible, and you're like, 10 minutes? <laughs> that's crazy. I couldn't go one minute in Leviticus, right? Um, but we're asking, just give God 10 minutes of your day reading the Bible. It takes about 10 minutes to read one chapter and to open up your journals. We gave you guys journals that you could use just to write notes and questions, and um, we post those on a 10 site. It's thegatheringnow.com slash 10. You can read what God's showing other people. You can also read some questions that they've sent in and some of the answers. The whole point of this is one thing. Get people in the Word of God. If I don't do anything else as your pastor and I just get you to read the Word of God for 10 minutes a day, I'm thrilled because Jesus knows how to speak through the Bible. And so we started that 22 days ago. If you want to get that reading plan, it's available online. Just go to our website, that, thegatheringnow.com. You can click on the left side. It says get all the stuff you need for the 10 series. And you can click on that and download the reading plan. I'd love for you to get started. You can never go wrong spending 10 minutes a day reading the Bible. So we started 22 days ago. The first week we talked about being intentional. That if we're going to get through the next 10 weeks, it's not going to happen by accident, right? Nobody wakes up in the morning and just accidentally reads the Bible, right? I don't think. I'm looking around the room to see if we have anybody like that. No, we pretty much have to pick it up and open it. Nobody accidentally drops a tithe in the offering, right? A tithe is the first 10% of the income that comes into our homes. We've challenged you to take the first 10 weeks of this year and trust God. It's the only time in the Bible in Malachi that God says you can, you can actually give me a test. How many of you feel like God tests you all the time? You ever feel like that? You ever feel like you fail all the time? <laughs> I do. My prayer to God is stuff like this. Oh, Lord, please help me learn this one fast. But this is the one area the Bible says we get to flip the tables. We get to actually test God. He says in Malachi chapter 3, he said, just test me in this. You give me your tithe and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and throw out on you blessings. And so we've said, hey, maybe you don't want to take the rest of your life to test God, but what about 10 weeks? In 10 weeks, if you tested God and you gave 10% of your offering, 10% of your income to the Lord, and he doesn't come through for you, we'll write a check back to you. We will open up the church account. We will write a check back to you for what you invested in the church while you were tithing and trusting God. Because I know we won't have to do that because God honors his word. He shows himself to be faithful. He shows himself to be true. But here's what doesn't happen. You don't come to church, and you get up at the end, and you get some coffee, and you walk past the basket, and you're like, hey, I think I'll just accidentally drop 10% of my income in here. Now, we accidentally drop dollar bills, right? We don't accidentally drop checks for 10% of what came into our house. You've got to be intentional. We talk about having 10 nights, going to community groups for 10 weeks. Just take 10 weeks and try community groups. Nobody accidentally shows up at somebody's house, do they? Wait, do you? Making a middle note not to give you my address, right? I was just driving around and suddenly I was inside your living room. <laughs> Calling 911, right? 
These are intentional things that we do. We drive to their home. We look up the address. We at least stalk them to that degree, right, before we show up at the house. And we've asked you to have 10 conversations, 10 times over the next 10 weeks, just to pick up the phone, to get your phone out, to shoot, to shoot somebody a text and say, hey, let's meet at the coffee shop. Let's meet at McDonald's. Come to my house. Let's talk about what we're reading in the Bible. All these things happen very, very intentionally. In week two, we talked about learning to live with contentment. And here's why. Because if you're going to get through this next 10 weeks, you've got to say, I'm getting, I'm just, I don't want to be distracted. I'm taking all the stuff away that doesn't matter. And I'm focusing on these four areas of my life. Just learning to live with contentment. Last week, Phil did a great job just teaching us on how we need to start paying attention to what gets our attention. I hated Phil at the end of the message last week. Thank you. Because all I could hear all week long was, if I gave Jesus the atten- if I gave Jesus the attention that I give my spouse, is that what it was? If I give Jesus the attention that I give my spouse, would he leave me? I was like, holy cow. I need to pay attention to Jesus more. And Wendy. Hard. And so if you've been here for any of those three weeks, then you're already feeling the word that we're talking about today. It's tension. We are starting to experience tension. We're going to look at a lot of scripture today. Some of it we have to, before we do it, we've got to do some um, foundational work first, okay? So here's what we're going to do. Very first point, we're just jumping right in. The first point is the reality of tension. We have to ask this question. Is tension even real? Does tension even really exist? And the obvious answer is yes. Tension does exist. Um, have you ever heard the phrase, ignorance is bliss? Yeah. You, no, you've never heard it? You have now because I just said it. Ignorance is bliss. Usually we think of that along with another phrase that you've probably heard of, what you don't know can't hurt you. I've got a couple pictures just to flip through. Tell me if what they don't know can't hurt them. Ninja cat. I like this one of a snake sneaking up behind a bird. And here's my all-time favorite one. Tell me if what he doesn't know can't hurt him. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's going to hurt. He doesn't know it's coming. So apparently what you don't know can hurt you. Right? We like to think that what we know can't hurt us, but what we can, what we don't know can hurt us. Ignorance, ignorance is bliss right up until the point that what we're ignorant about hurts us. And at that point, ignorance is dangerous and probably just flat out ignorant. While we think of ignorance as being bliss, we know we can't afford to stay ignorant. And so what happens? We know we can't stay ignorant, so we start trying to learn more stuff, right? And what happens when we learn more stuff? tension. We get more tension. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 7, verse 7. While you're turning there, let me just tell you, um, (laughs) the other night we were sitting at the table, and we were eating supper, and it was really, really good, and we're having family conversation, and all of a sudden, Wendy got really quiet. I mean, she doesn't talk a lot anyway because she's sweet and all that, but she just got really quiet, and, like, Parker was asking her questions, and I looked over, and here's what I saw. Wendy and her cheeks are like a chipmunk. I mean, they're out there, and she's got a napkin right here, and she couldn't even talk because 
what we're eating was so good. She just took a huge bite. And so, sweet little old Wendy, right? Big old cheeks. That's kind of how I felt when I, I turned to Romans 7. I felt like I kind of bit off. You ever feel like you bit off more than you could chew? And so I had this perfect verse. I was like, we're going to talk about Romans 7, and all of us are going to be able to relate to it because Paul's talking about stuff that we can understand. He says, you know, the things I want to do, I find that I don't do, and the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. Can you relate to that? And then the more I'm reading it, the more I'm studying it, I find out that for years, like commentators, like really smart people, you know, smart Bible people, they get on one side and the other side, and they've been fighting for years over this passage. And here's what they've been fighting about. Uh, when we read in Romans 7, are we reading about Paul before he was saved or Paul after he was saved? And I was like, man, that's, I guess that's a good question. I never even thought about it. So I just want you to know, in full honesty, that people that are smarter than me, smarter than you, they, they fight and debate over that. Is Paul saved? Is he not saved? Now, some people want him to be, they want him to be saved in this passage, and here's why. Well, if Paul was saved and he still kept messing up, I'm okay. And some people want him to be not saved because they want to believe that the Christian life can be better than that. And I don't know where you fall in that category. But let me just at least say this. Paul understood a very real principle. That when you have more knowledge, you have to do something with it. Parents, is this true? When you tell your children something, don't you expect them to do it? Yes. So here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 7, verse 7. What, what can I say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. Some of you right now are like, I still don't know what coveting is. Is that like something a boy band does? We're coveting. Here's what he's saying. I would never know what it was. So for Paul, ignorance really was bliss, wasn't it? He didn't know what coveting was, and so he could have just coveted all day long. He had no idea what it was. But then one day, he learns from the law that it's bad. Have you ever, have you ever done something that you really enjoyed, and then you found out it wasn't a good thing? I have. Like, oh, like, that's our whole generation. We can't eat things anymore. They all cause cancer. My grandma ate anything she wanted to, and she lived to be, like, in her 90s. She'd be sitting down just enjoying something that I would go, but I don't think you're supposed to eat that because it would kill you. She's like, I'm 95. <laughs> I'm still here. The only thing that she was convinced would kill you was pepper. I don't know where she got that, but... Anyway, it's an inside joke that only Laura gets because she totally just jumped all over one of us at a family dinner because we were putting pepper on the food. That'll kill you! <laughs> yeah, but so will the cast iron skillet that you cook stuff in. I don't know, you know, whatever. You ever do stuff and then you come into knowledge, you realize what you're doing? It's like when, you, when you're driving through a, an area of town and you're going what you think is the speed limit because you've not seen a sign. And everything is fantastic until you see the blue light. Yeah, amen, sister, right? And then they pull you over and just try to share this with the cop. I didn't know. He's like, there was a sign right back there. I didn't see it. Well, I'm going to give you a ticket for speeding and another one for being stupid. 
go get glasses, right? Sometimes we think everything's cool and we're just kind of skating along and then we realize, whoa, I just came into some knowledge. Now, the next time you go through that neighborhood and you are late, you can never use that excuse again, can you? Same cop pulls you over. I hope this hadn't happened to anybody here. Same cop pulls you over. And he goes, uh, you again? You know you're speeding. I didn't know what the speed limit was here, officer. It's like, I told you yesterday what it was when you came through. Right? You can only use this one time. But once you have knowledge, immediately you have entered into tension. And that's what Paul's saying here. I had no idea what covenant was. I didn't know that there was a law against it. And all of a sudden when I learned it, now I have tension. Just write this underneath number one. Revelation creates tension. Revelation creates tension. And that's exactly where a lot of us are right now. 22 days ago, we make an intentional choice to start every day reading the scripture. And guess what's happened over 22 days? Your knowledge is growing rapidly. How many of you, I'm just curious, have seen something in the Bible in the last 22 days that you never saw before? That's a lot of increased knowledge. And it's really, really cool when you tweet it to somebody or you send a text or you post it on the site. This is so awesome. I just learned this. It's fantastic. But at some point, you start to realize, oh, wait, now i got to do something with it. Revelation always leads to tension. It creates tension. Jesus spoke about this in one of his many teaching moments. Turn to Luke chapter 12, verse 48. Luke 12, 48. If you're lost at this point, it's totally okay. It's all going to make sense in the end. Luke 12, 48. Let's just start in verse 47. This is, you know, I tell you, this all time. Jesus says stuff sometimes. You just kind of go, did he just say that? Did Jesus just say that? Listen to, listen to what he says. Verse 47, Luke chapter 12. That servant who knows his master's will and does not get ready or does not do what his master wants will be beaten, everybody say beaten, it's not a good word, will be beaten with many blows. Basically, Jesus is looking at some people saying, here's the deal, people. If you know what you're supposed to do and you don't do it, that person will be beaten with many blows. And so everybody's like, what do you think everybody's thinking at that point? They're thinking, one, if I know it, I better do it. Or if they're like us, they're thinking, two, I don't want to know it. Just don't tell me. Ignorance is bliss, baby. What I don't know can't hurt me, even though there is a dude with a baseball bat jumping off that guardrail to hit me. So we're just like, I just want to stay ignorant. So here's the next thing Jesus says, verse 48. But the one who does not know, and at that point, everybody goes, yes, that's going to be me. I'm going to not know. But the one who does not know and still does things deserving punishment will be beaten. Everybody say beaten. With few blows. And at this point, the people are like, you know, Jesus, I used to like you, and now I don't. Because you just told me something in two sentences, and all I really heard was, everybody's going to get beaten. It's not quite the gospel we signed up for, is it? So whether we know or we don't know, there's still a risk, isn't there? What does Jesus say at the end of that? He says, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, 
much more will be asked. Basically, Jesus says, the more you know, the more you should do. And immediately, we feel the tension, don't we? We want to increase our knowledge of Jesus, but that requires an increase in obedience to Jesus. I'm going to say that again. You need to write that down. We want to increase our knowledge of Jesus, and that's a good thing. But you've got to understand that it creates tension because now we have to increase our obedience to Jesus. If we sit at his feet and listen to what he says, at some point that lecture's over. And he says, so go, go throw up. Mike Wazowski, Outtakes, Monsters Incorporated. Anybody with me there? Okay. We just related right there. It was awesome. Me and three people. At some point, Jesus says, go do it. Now just go do it. I'm like, do what? I just want to sit here and listen. I just want to listen, listen, listen. I just want to get more and more and more knowledge. Do you know what people are when they take in and in and in and never give out and out and out? Fat and constipated. And I know that's a graphic illustration, right? But that's not what God wants for his church. He doesn't want us just to know more. He wants us to also be able to do what we know. That's what he's saying here. If I've given you much, then I expect much. And the tension that we feel is, then I don't want you to give me a lot. Have you ever said that to God? I don't want any more. I don't want to be responsible for anything else. You ever have days like that? You just like to sign up for the non-responsible people. Today, I just want to be irresponsible. I want to do anything I want, and I don't want any ramifications for anything I do. I'll just let someone else deal with it. Jesus says nobody can choose that. We can't just choose that. We are responsible for what we know. Maybe it's better to remain ignorant, not according to what Jesus just said. The best option is to know more, even if it reveals the tension between what we know and what we do. And when we talk about tension being real, that's the biggest tension of all. There is a tension between what we know and what we do. And there's not one person in this room that doesn't struggle with that. You don't even have to believe a, be a believer in Jesus. You don't even have to like the Word of God. You still are going to struggle with the tension between what you know and what you do. Back in Romans chapter 7, Verse 15, Paul writes about that tension again. I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Basically, he's saying this. Listen, I know things and I don't do things. And there's a tension. Is it fair enough to admit that we struggle with this? Some of you over the last 22 days have woken up and you've gotten halfway through your day and you went, oh, oh, 10 minutes, Bible, reading. You're in the car, you whip out your smartphone. You put on version at a light because you should never do this while driving. And you set it down and have it read to you just to make sure you got it done. And you, you were so busy trying to get the knowledge to check the check mark that you didn't pay attention to what it was saying that you should now do because of what you just learned. All of us struggle with this tension between knowing more and doing less. And it's hard because tension's real. Um, it's the end of January, so people have been trying to lose weight in our country, right? This is the month for that. Sign up at gyms and, you know, 
all the parking lots at gyms are full until next month, and then they'll be empty again. Try to lose weight. Just try to lose weight, and here's what you'll, you'll immediately see attention, right? Because you'll know the foods that you should eat, <laughs> but you will eat the other ones, right? You'll be like, I'm pretty sure I shouldn't have this big, giant bowl of cookie dough ice cream with magic shell, but I'm going to. It's this tension between what I know. I should lower my calories, and yet the stuff that has no calories has no taste, and so I'm going to go with this. A lot of you are in Dave Ramsey's financial piece right now. You know the tension now, don't you? <laughs> it was like two weeks ago we started with our quick budgets. And so before you do the budget, you have ignorance. And ignorance is bliss. And then you look at where you are financially and you go, oh, crap. I guess we can't go to Dairy Queen ever again. Or at least for the next six months. Or only if you go on the day that is half price, which was last week and it was a blessing from God. <laughs> See, we come in and immediately there's a tension, right? I want to buy that, but I probably shouldn't because I have increased knowledge and now there's tension and it's just like, ugh. And how many of you just are like, even this morning you're kind of like, I don't like this at all. I want something more fun. Because tension's not fun. If we learn more, we're accountable for more. But if we stop learning because we don't want to really be accountable, then what we don't know will, and in most cases, it can hurt us. So maybe it's time to start seeing tension in a different way. I want to give you a way this morning you can see tension in a more positive way. Here we go. Here's the big idea. I'm going to give it to you, then we're going to take the second point, and we're going to unpack it, and then we're going to be done. Here's the big idea for today. Fighting through the tension leads us to a new dimension. I stole it off a Hallmark card. <laughs> it's awesome. No, I was. I, I told Wendy that yesterday. I was so proud of myself, and she went, "Oh," because it is kind of like bad poetry. I, I get it. Fighting through the tension leads us to a new dimension. Here's what we mean by that. Number two, we already talked about the reality of tension. Does it exist? Yes. Here's the result of tension. Let's talk through what tension can do for us. And it has everything to do with whether we see it as a bad thing or a good thing. Let me make these two statements. I'll, I'll, I'll say them slowly if you want to write them down. When we see tension as bad, we let it stress us and we become bitter. When we see tension as good, we let it stretch us and we become better. When we see tension as bad, we let it stress us, and we become bitter. When we see tension as good, we let it stretch us, and we become better. You can Google on your own time People who tried something and failed and then went on to be a success. But here's a few names I'll throw out at you. Harrison Ford, after his first audition, was told, forget it, you'll never be a good actor. He's the third highest grossing actor of all time. Many of you know that Michael Jordan was cut in high school and went on to be probably one of the better, if not the best, basketball player ever to play. 
Um, Dr. Seuss, you ever heard of him? Was told that he had no imagination and was a bad writer. He is the number one children's author in the world and probably will be for a long time. Marilyn Monroe did not get her first screen job, first acting, jo acting job, because she was told that she didn't have the looks for it. Marilyn Monroe. Walt Disney told that he also had no imagination. Colonel Sanders went to a thousand restaurants to sell his recipe and was rejected by a thousand. Didn't start making it big until he was after 65 years of age. The point here is all of these people ran smack into tension. They knew something, but what they knew was not matching up with what they were seeing and doing and experiencing, and there was a tension there. And so they had this choice, and here was the choice. I can quit. I can be stressed because of this tension. And you know what they would have all had in common? They would have all grown up to be old, bitter people that talked about the people that just rejected them. Well, if they had just given me a chance, I could, I could, I could. J.K. Rowling, is that how you say her name? I think it is. Wrote Harry Potter. Was unemployed, living on welfare and food stamps when she got her first Harry Potter book written and published. Sylvester Stallone, <laughs> the guy who will not die. Dude, just die already. I want to lead him to Jesus just so he can go to heaven and stop making movies. Oh, but, I mean, to his credit, it's worked out. And here's his story. He was working in a movie theater as an usher. He had a child who was handicapped. He needed money. And he couldn't get anybody to take him up on his rocky screenplay. And so somebody finally offered him money, $200,000, to do the first Rocky movie. And he turned it down. You know why? Because they said, we'll do it, but you can't be in the movie. And he said, no, 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 no. I was made to play the part of Rocky. It's my story. And he turned down $200,000 when he needed the money the most. And the rest, as they say, is history. Because all that he's done, all that he's done, all that he's done since then, which is probably too many things, all came from that one moment. The question is, in that tension, what do we do? They ne these people never gave up. They never stopped believing. Many of them followed a biblical principle without even realizing that they were. They allowed present tension to prepare them for future victory. They allowed present tension to prepare them for future victory. The passage we read in Luke 12, 48, to whom much is given, much is required. Um, there's a story in 1 Samuel 17. You've heard of David and Goliath probably. You know what? God would never have held David accountable to go fight Goliath if he hadn't first seen God prove himself faithful with a lion and a bear. And so when David stepped out and he saw this big old giant, 
I mean, even if he had said, um, I'm not fighting that giant because there's no way. God's like, there's no way you're going to get away with that because I've already proven it to you. You've already seen me take care of other things. So what I want you to understand is the greater the knowledge, the bigger the giant. The greater the knowledge, the bigger the giant. And not everybody wants that. Not everybody wants to do great things for Jesus. Some people really are content with the level of tension going down. There are people that follow Jesus, and they're content with this. Don't teach me anything else. I don't want to know any more. No, 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 I'm not listening. They don't, want, they don't want any more responsibility. They don't want any more accountability. But the people who really do great exploits for God, they don't have fear of these all-in moments because they've already worked through the tension. They're prepared for the pressure of those moments. Do you ever, are you ever, you ever watch um, sports? Like, let's just use basketball. And the game's on the line, and somebody gets fouled, and they go to the free throw line, and it's, there's no time on the clock. And so what do they do? If you're a basketball fan, you already know. Like, nobody's in the lane. They're all backed up. So that dude is there by himself. Game on the line. And how many of you watch that, and in that moment as you're watching, you think to yourself, God, I'm glad I'm not him. I mean, are you, can we honestly say that? Or if we do want to be him, we think, if I was him right now, I'd be, I'd be wetting my pants. I'd be freaking out. But do you know what the reality is? He's not. Pressure moments for us are not pressure moments for him. And do you know why he's not sweating it? Why he doesn't feel the pressure? The really good athletes don't feel those pressures? Because they've already they've, they've shot so many free throws. They've worked through the tension of knowing my, my shooting form should be this way and it's not good, so I'm going to keep working on it. They've worked through all that tension, so they're ready when their moment comes. That's what tension can do. And when you let tension stretch you, it makes you better. Really good athletes want really good coaches. And really good coaches say stuff like this, dude, you are awful, but we're going to fix that. And they push you. They stretch you. I want you to turn to a passage that you all read on day two of the reading plan. It's in Mark. Mark chapter 2, verse 22. We're just about done. Let me throw a couple more scriptures at you. I want us to talk through this. This is the most important truth of all about tension. And this this is the scripture that reveals why Jesus wants each one of us to fight through the tension instead of running from it. Mark chapter 2, verse 22. Here's what it says. No one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, he pours new wine into new wineskins. Now, when Jesus first said this, the whole crowd was like, I knew I liked him. Because not only is he talking about wine, but he's making sure we don't spill it on the ground. Sweet. I bet get Jesus to come to your party. He's talking about more than just wine. In, in the Bible, new wine is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Um, Acts 5.18 talks about not being drunk with wine, but being full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is laying out a pretty interesting truth, and here's what it is. I want you to write this down. You're going to hate it and love it at the same time. You ready? 
The power of God is limited to the capacity of the people of God to carry it. One more time, and then everybody can go, huh? And then we'll tell you what it means. The power of God is limited to the capacity of the people of God to carry it. Because here's what Jesus is saying. I got some new wine, and I want to pour it onto people. And I want you to carry that new wine wherever you go. But if you don't have good wineskins, then as soon as I give you the new wine, it's going on the ground because your wineskins are going to crack and break, and then it's gone. He actually takes good new wine, and he could make it vulnerable by putting it into people who are not prepared to carry it. Do you see what I'm saying? The power of God. We don't think of the power of God being limited at all, do we? Like, what's well, the power of God? He can do whatever he wants. He's God. Da, da, da. But he's limited by our ability and our, our capacity to carry it. So how does he prepare us? We know two things. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that we are new creatures in Christ. We are, we're new creations. The old is gone. The new has come. And we also know from Mark chapter 8, 34 and 35, that we struggle daily with the sinful nature. Jesus said, hey, get your cross on your back daily. Die daily and follow me. So we know two things. One, he's making us new. And two, we still got old junk to deal with, right? Can you relate to that? Yes. If you say yes, I'm done quicker. Yeah. So here's the deal. Part of the way that God transforms us from old skins to new skins is by stretching us. And he does that through tension. Look up tension in Webster's, and here's what you'll find. It literally means the art or act of stretching. And so the tension that you're in right now, it's actually God's plan to use that tension to stretch you so that you will be more able to handle the new power he wants to put in you. That's tension right there. Did you hear that? Fighting through tension leads us to a new dimension. And we're going to be done. I just want to wrap it up like this. Here's some things you can think about this week as you prepare for your community groups. On the back of your note sheet, too, you have some questions you can ask yourselves. You can discuss it at home. You can take it to the restaurant today and talk about it over lunch. Things to think about as you prepare for your community groups this week. Here's a couple of just points to remember. Number one. Instead of trying to disobey less, fall in love with Jesus more. Instead of trying to disobey less, fall in love with Jesus more. And here's why that's really important. Because we just talked a lot about, like, if we know things and we need to do things. And it's really easy to walk out of this and, and all you hear is do things, do things, do things, do things. Which is usually followed by, I, but I keep doing the wrong things and the wrong things. And I'm trying, ah. But John, John 14, 15 basically says this, that if we love him, we'll obey his commands. And what that means to me is if I love him, I will obey his, I'll obey his commands. It's not like, well, if you love me, you'll do it. It's like, no, because I love you, I'm going to do it. I mean, how many of you in the last 22 days have seen a different motivation for picking up the Bible and reading it? I have. It's like, it's not, oh, I have to do it. No, it's like, I'm going to do it. Woohoo! If you love me, you'll obey my commands. So instead of trying to disobey less, fall in love with Jesus more, here's, number, here's another principle. Fighting through tension in one area is better than ignoring tension in many areas. Philippians 3.16. This is a great life verse. Just write down Philippians 3.16. It 
If you ever get overwhelmed following Jesus, this is the verse that you want to look up and read and cling to. Because here's what it says. Let's just live up to what we've already attained. Basically, Paul says, hey, you're okay to quit learning for a while. Let's just start living what we know. That's a verse that deals with tension. So it's better for you to take one area of your life and fight through the tension than to just get overwhelmed and ignore all the tension in your life. Don't ignore it. Just take one. So maybe right now for you it is finances. Maybe right now it is reading the Bible. Whatever that area is, just pick one and fight through that tension. Let God stretch you. Okay? And then here's the last one. Invite Jesus into the tension so we can take the shame out of it. Invite Jesus into the tension so we can take the shame out of it. Here's the last, last few verses that we'll read. Romans 7, 24 and 25. Paul wrote this. After he's already kind of wrestled with this whole tension thing, he said, What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? <laughs> you ever, nobody talks like that, do they? <laughs> Five for students in your dorm where you're like, Who will rescue me from this body of death? Probably not, right? <laughs> but like, we say stuff like, Oh, God, who will help me, right? And here's what Paul says. He said, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I love that. The temptation is, I'm not going to talk to Jesus again until I've got this area fixed in my life. I'm not going to go to prayer. I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to hang out with my Christian friends. I'm not worthy of being with all that stuff until I get this right. But what Jesus wants you to do is this. Invite him into the tension. Like, have a prayer. It goes like this. Jesus, I am a loser. I keep trying to do the right thing, and I keep failing. You already know this, God, because I've already prayed this prayer a million times. But I need you to come into this tension and rescue me from me. Some of you are so busy trying to get yourselves good so that you can be around Jesus. It'll never happen. Jesus loves to hang out with people that aren't perfect. So invite him into the tension so we can take the shame out of it. And in Romans 8, 1, love this verse. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. And that's a huge point, especially if you're here and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Because only Jesus can rescue us from sin. So if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus... You can't really be better. You don't have it in you. There's only one person who can rescue us from sin, and his name is Jesus. Romans 8, 3. This is a perfect verse to sum all that up. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. Basically, what knowledge did was cool, but it wasn't good enough. And only Jesus can do it. So here's the last thing you need to write down and we're done. More knowledge can inform us, but only Jesus can transform us. More knowledge can inform us, but only Jesus can transform us. Anybody need transforming power in your life? Just curious. Can I see your hands? That's what we're going to pray about right now. And before we leave, if you're here, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, like, I've been in church all my life, I think I'm doing it, I don't even know, I try to do the right thing. I mean, if you've never said to Jesus, 
I'm a sinner, and I know that you died for my sins, and I want to spend the rest of my life just following after you. Today, I would love to introduce you to Jesus. Because everything we've talked about only works with Jesus.